I love hearing our church sing songs like that, that last one, which is probably hard to do after the really emotional one that came right before it, I realize. Um, but just pouring out our affection to, to Jesus and, and letting him know what, what he means to us. Um, Mom's Day, I, I have, I have uh, really four moms that I get to celebrate on Mom's Day, which is exciting for me. Um, I have the mom that gave birth to me and uh, put up with all my junk and uh, uh, loved me through all of it and continues to love me, and she's so generous with me and taught me so many things. I have a stepmom um, that kind of took me in in my high school years, and um, it's not easy to take in a high schooler uh, when you have three of your own, and she did that and did it so well, and I celebrate her uh, today as well. And then I have uh, the mom who gave birth to my, my wife, who's kind of become a mom to me as well. And so that's the third one. And she raised an incredible daughter. So I celebrate her today. And then my wife. Come on. She's amazing. And um, so, yes. And uh, I would not choose anyone else to raise my children than Robin. She is such a great mom. So I, I get to celebrate those. I know that you have um, some moms that, that you get to celebrate. But I also know that for some, Mother's Day is a difficult day. And I know that uh, for some, it's a challenge for a number of reasons. I know there's probably, uh, in, in our congregation, uh, I know there's, there's people who have desperately wanted to become moms. And, and uh, for one reason or another, they have not yet experienced that in their life. And so it's, it's, Mother's Day is a reminder for some um, and, and what I hope you, you find today and what you experience today and what you, what you know today is that you're not alone in that, that, uh, that there are others that are with you, there's a church that's with you, um, but, but more importantly than that, there's a God who, who doesn't leave you alone. And when you cry out to him and when you don't understand, um, God hears you and he's with you. You're, he hasn't left you alone. And I, and I want you to hear that today. And, and where we're going to go today, uh, I think, is, is a great place for all of us. Now, I, I thought this series is, is just a great tie-in, um, extremely emotional. Uh, there's some things with moms. And so where we're going to go today, um, I think moms give us a glimpse of better than just about anyone. And so we're going to celebrate that in some ways, but also we're going to understand Jesus, I think, at a, at, at a deeper level. So I'm going to get to a story, and I hope you guys are okay with me telling a story about Jesus. Are you good with that? Can we? <laughs> Are you good with that? Yeah, yeah because we're a community following Jesus, so it's important for us to tie in with who Jesus is and to remember those things, to celebrate those things, and to commit ourselves to the same kind of life that Jesus was committed to, right? So here's the, here's the big picture for the series, right? The extremely emotional series. Um, it, it comes out of Psalms chapter 139, and the big picture is this, that, that the God who created the physical universe is also the God who created our internal being, our spirits, our souls, our minds, our hearts, right? That God created us in, 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 in our mother's wombs. And that's not the tie-in to Mother's Day. Some of you are like, that's pretty weak, Matt, if that's all you got. That's not the tie-in. I mean, I guess it is kind of a tie-in. But, but he created our inmost being. So God is the one who wired you with the emotions that you have, the emotions that you feel. Like, that's, that's God put you together. It, it, it's him who gave you those emotions. Now, what we do with those emotions is the big question. 
And I think what we've been saying from the beginning of this series, and we'll say it to the end of the series, which is next week, is this, that, that emotions can be, if we allow them, emotions can be the engines that drive us in different directions. And if we allow that to happen in our lives, it can often lead to destructive places, broken relationships. Like if you just say everything that you think or feel, it doesn't lead you to great places all the time. Can, can we all agree on that, right? That emotions have sometimes led us to a, a dangerous place, a, a place that's broken relationship. But emotions, as God has given them to us, are there to be like a dashboard in a car. So if you think about an engine in a car versus a dashboard, it's kind of like the dashboard that is there to indicate things that are going on deep within us. That's why God gave us our emotions. And we have to have the ability, the, the wherewithal, the, the mind to step back at times and understand our emotions not as something that, that should drive us forward, but rather should just be indicating something going on deep within us. Um, I know it's Mother's Day. I know there's a lot going on. I know that you're thinking about what's coming up later and all that, but can we go somewhere deep just for a second right before we get into the story of Jesus? Because I think it takes us somewhere. Can we go deep just for a second? Yes, some of you go with me. The others of you are going to check out. Okay, here we go. Two big questions. Uh, and this is kind of like deep thoughts with, uh, with Matt today. Deep thoughts. Two questions. What is the central theme of Scripture? And what is the central act in the course of human history? Now, I want you to think about that just for a second. And if, if you and I were having coffee and we're sitting across the table, and I just said to you, hey, what do you think the, like, the theme of the Bible is? Just one word. What's the theme of the Bible? What might you say? Love. Oh, you guys win today. Love, yes. It's the central theme. Now, then the second question that it leads into is, what is the cent- if, if, if love is the theme of God's story in the world, if love is, is, is what God wants us to grasp and, and understand and experience and give to other people. If, if that's the central theme in all of Scripture, what would be the central act in human history? So we have all these different thoughts, right? Grace, and some are like, we're in church, so it's probably Jesus at some level. Um, uh, I think that's the answer, maybe. And here's what I would say, is that the central theme of Scripture is love. The central act in human history is the incarnation. And the incarnation is the story of Jesus. And I think some of us would like to focus in and say, well, it's the death and resurrection, and, and that's a part of it, but I think it's broader than that. It's, it's the incarnation. It's, it's this idea, don't miss this, the idea that God, out of his love, was willing to step out of heaven and enter into human flesh and blood to be with us because love drives us to be with one another right? That, that, that concept. In fact, when, when God's giving uh, Mary and Joseph the name to call Jesus, it's, it's this understanding, this idea that God is now with us, that, that Jesus, uh, God became flesh and blood, and he moved into the neighborhood. I love the way that the Bible says that. He moved into the neighborhood. He wanted to be with us. It's, it's the central act in human history, the incarnation, God entering into our world through Jesus Christ. Because without presence, without our presence, love can't be fully experienced or known. Did you know that? Without a presence, without a physical presence, love can't fully be known or experienced. It's one thing to say, I love you. It's another thing to to walk with someone in love, isn't it? 
Arthur, those are two very different things. And, and God loved us so much that he didn't just want to scream it or say it. He wanted to live it with us. Now, um, I said I was going to go deep just for a second. Here's what I want you to understand about God, is that, that God, when you think about the characteristics of God, sometimes we think about God is, is loving, and God is just, and God is holy, and God is all-knowing. The, the truth is, God is love at his core. It's not just one of his characteristics. God is love at his core, and that is what drives him to want to be in relationship with all of us. It's love. It's his love that moves him into relationship with us. So I want to tell you a story about Jesus. And uh, this, this story is, is, is Jesus driven by love. And, and it's an experience that someone has with Jesus uh, in, in a way that kind of redefines, I think, this, this understanding of who God is. And it, and it kind of changes, I think, the way that we think sometimes of, of our parents. Um, quick story about, uh, about my kids. All of my kids at one point or another were scared of the dark. How many of you were scared of the dark when you were younger? Anybody? Are you going to be honest? We're in church. So, yeah, scared of the dark. Um, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you about one of my weaknesses as, as a dad. When my kids sometimes would, would cry out that they were scared of the dark, one of my initial, initial thoughts as, as a dad, just going to be transparent, was... They need to learn to face their fears and get over it on their own. Any other dads ever have that initial thought? And it's the middle of the night, and it's time to sleep, and it's not time to be scared of the dark. And so there were moments, way too many moments, where when my kids were scared of the dark, I just said, deal with it. Um, You've got to overcome that fear. It's not rational. Think about it. You're fine. We looked under the bed in the closet. Everything's good. You're good. But my wife was driven by her love to be with our kids in the darkness. To say, it's okay, you're not alone, right? And that changed everything for them. Like, just knowing that someone was present changed them. For, for, for my kids, it wasn't about the rational thought that the home was secure, there's nobody in the room, there's nobody, it, it wasn't that, it wasn't the rational thought, it was, it was the presence of Robin that changed everything as their experience of love. Jesus. There was a man named Lazarus, and he was sick, and he lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. Now, we've talked about Lazarus before. Actually, recently, we, we, we talked about this, this uh, scene where Jesus goes into Mary and Martha's house, and Lazarus uh, is their brother. And so uh, we know that Jesus has this relationship with Lazarus and Mary and Martha, and, and the, the two sisters sent this message to Jesus, who was out traveling and teaching, and she told, uh, they, they told him your dear friend is very sick. Now, I think this phrasing is, is awesome. Um, have, you, have you ever, like, done this with God? Like, you, rather than, like, owning it yourself, like, they didn't say, our brother is very sick. They said, your dear friend, because they want to, like, grab him emotionally. They want him to be drawn into the story. God, this isn't about me. This is about, you know, your loving father. You know, this is about you. It's not about me. So they, they send this message, your dear friend, Jesus not just our brother. This is your dear friend. He's sick, so, so come back. And they know that if Jesus can show up, something will change, that, that Jesus' presence changes things. When Jesus arrives at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus has already been dead. 
He's been in his grave for four days. Jesus does this really interesting thing that when he hears the message, he says, okay, and then he spends two more days in the town that he's in. He doesn't immediately return. Now, this would probably make you upset if you were Mary and Martha, right? And we find out that they get pretty upset. So Martha goes out to meet Jesus as he's finally coming to show up, and and she says, Lord, if only you had been there, my brother would not have died. If only you had showed up. My brother, if, if only, if only you were there. When, when Mary arrived and she saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, two sisters saying the same exact thing. Do you think they've talked about this? They're saying the same exact thing to Jesus. Jesus, if you were there, if only you were there, my brother would not have died. Then the story says that when Jesus saw Mary weeping and he saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Now, this is a little strange to me. Isn't this the, 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 the emotion of anger in this setting? Would you, would you think this is strange? Um, there were times when my kids were scared of the dark and, and a deep anger welled up within me. <laughs> But it was a different than the deep anger that welled up within Jesus. Um, a deep anger welled up within him. So I read all these commentaries trying to figure out, why was Jesus angry here? Was he angry at Mary and Martha? And I think the answer to that is no. Like, like God is not angry with us when we show up with our disappointments and our pain. He's not angry at Mary and Martha. What Jesus is angry about, I, I believe, is he's angry about the, the way that death separates us. He's, he's angry with this, this thing that we all experience in life, that, that death separates us relationally with those that we love. He's angry at death, and, and, and something is going on within him. He's, he's deeply troubled in his spirit. And then... Probably, uh, it, it's the shortest passage, of, uh, the, the, the shortest verse in all of Scripture. You're going to learn a Bible verse today, and it's the shortest one in all of Scripture. You know what it is? Here it is. Then Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Something within Jesus was moved so deeply that he began to weep. Now, some of us would say, well, of course. You know, he's, he's sad with them. His friend Lazarus has died. Of course, of course he weeps. But what we don't see at this point in the story is that Jesus is actually going to bring Lazarus back from the dead. Like, he knows the end of the story. He knows that Lazarus is going to be alive in just a few minutes. And yet, knowing the end of the story, I mean, I want you to understand the power of this. Knowing the end of the story, Jesus still feels so deeply that he enters in emotionally with Mary and Martha to the point that he weeps with them. And the incarnation, the central act in human history, gives us a picture of God, a God who weeps with us. Uh, I wrote it this way. One way that we experience and express love 
is by entering into the emotions of those around us. It, it's this, this relational connection happens. We, we, we experience and we express love by being able to enter in emotionally with others. You know what that's called? Empathy. Empathy. Now, this, the, the, the street definition of, of empathy is actually being able to step into someone else's shoes, wear someone else's shoes. That's like the, the street definition. But, but I think the, uh, the scriptural understanding of empathy is not just to, to step into someone else's shoes, but to feel the things that they feel. To, to understand someone and to enter in with someone at a level where you can understand their, their emotions so that they're not alone in their emotions. Um, I heard this beautiful talk by Brene Brown on empathy, this very thing, and there's, there's a TED talk that goes with it, and I want to give you just a short version of it um, that, that gives us a, a, a little glimpse of, of empathy and I think moves us toward a biblical view of what empathy is. Um, so, so check out this short little video on empathy. Empathy, it's, it's very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions very diverse professions where empathy is relevant and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or, or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. <laughs> Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, I'm down. I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, it's bad, uh-huh. Uh, no, you want a sandwich? Um, Empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I had a, yeah. And we do it all the time, because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put the silver lining around it. So I had a miscarriage. Oh, at least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. <laughs> John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. Now, isn't that interesting? Um, how different would the story with Jesus have been if Jesus would have said to Mary and Martha, hey, cheer up. Lazarus is going to get better. Right? Or, uh, like Brene said, um, at, at least you had a brother, Lazarus. Well, th that doesn't fuel connection. That, that doesn't enter in to, to love. Um, empathy 
as an expression of love fuels connection, which leads us to deeper relationships. And if love is the major theme of the Bible, if, if love is, is, is what God is trying to help us understand and experience in this world, then relationship is the way that we'll begin to step into that love. Relationship with him, but also relationship with one another. Empathy, as this expression of love, is what fuels us to be connected on a deeper level. Uh, a couple passages of Scripture. In Romans, uh, Paul is kind of working out what it means to be a Christian and how you live in light of how Christ lived. And um, because I had fun doing the emoji thing a couple weeks ago, here's, here's Romans chapter 12, verse 15. This one's hard. Can you get this one? It's a difficult translation. Here, here's what it says. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Right? Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Paul is saying that one of the ways we live, as, as Christ did, is we actually, this, this empathetic thing, we, we enter into relationship with others and we're willing to take on what they're feeling and feel it with them. Uh, in Galatians, he says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Jesus. Bear one another's burdens, walk with them in a way that you're not just walking next to them, but you're actually taking on the things that are weighing them down and you're, you're carrying them with them. Um, those of you who are married, those of you who are married, empathy is one of those things that can radically transform our marriages. Right? Not, not just hearing, but, but actually being able to, to feel the things that one another's feeling. And not just feel them, but, but to bear those burdens with one another. It fuels connection, it fuels relationship, and it helps us experience love on a deeper level. So how do we do that? Uh, and, and I'll end with this. How do, we, how, do we, how do we become more empathetic? Because I think if you're, uh, if you're like me, and, and, and it doesn't come naturally, you just want to know, how do I do that? Like, I understand it, but how do I do it? Uh, how do I fix it in myself? Because I'm not a very empathetic person. Right, um, And so for me, I, I, I kind of started making some notes of uh, what can help me be more empathetic. Here's the first thing, is that we just listen. Just listening. And you remember in James where he said, be quick to listen and slow to speak? And that's good advice on a number of levels for us. To be, be quick to listen. One of the ways that we become empathetic is we listen more than we speak. Uh, the second thing is we explore. We ask questions rather than trying to, to fix or, or make something better. So we, we explore it. We ask some questions. Well, well what do you think about that? Well, how did that make you, how did that make you feel? Or what, what did you do? What was next? So we begin to like, explore it a little bit deeper so that we hear more of the story. And then we um, avoid, and this is tough for some of us, uh, like, like Brene said, um, we avoid judgment over them. Because many of us, when we hear a story, our, our quick response is to judge on what they did wrong. So we avoid judgment, and then we personalize it. We, we try to own it in a way that we understand it at a deeper level, and we try to express that. So Jesus comes into this, this village, where, where this tiny village, Bethany was a tiny village, uh, where it wasn't just Mary and Martha weeping, but it was the, the whole village was with them in this. 
Jesus comes into this village. He knows the end of the story. He knows that it's going to end up okay, but he is still willing to enter in and walk with them. Are we willing to do that with one another? Are we willing to walk in the ways of Jesus? Are we willing to to do what it takes to feel with those who are around us? Are we willing to to take on someone's emotions, be empathetic and understand and walk with them, bear one another's burdens? I think that's the challenge of Jesus. And on Mother's Day, I think, moms, you have taught us this better than anyone else in the world because you were with us in all things, right? Um, I'm going to ask us to stand together, and I'm going to say a prayer and... um, I want to thank God for the moms that are here and grandmothers, um, but I also want to thank God for the picture of Jesus that he gives us and the ways that we are to walk after him. Father God, um, on this Mother's Day, I am so grateful for the women amongst us that um, have given us a glimpse of you, our moms, our grandmothers, our teachers, Sunday school teachers, teachers at school, all all of those who have given us a glimpse of you. And God, one of the most powerful pictures, I think, is this picture of empathy, this this willingness to enter into what we're feeling. And God, this is the grand story of Scripture, that you uh, didn't just stand at a distance, but, but you entered into human flesh and blood, the incarnation. Thank you for, for Jesus. Thank you for walking with us. And God, thank you that we have not been left alone, but your Holy Spirit is with us in this place. Help us to follow in his ways, to enter into relationship with those around us at a deeper level. Help us to connect relationally and express your love in deep ways. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.